people. This is Shally Steckrell filling in for Brian Fink. He's usually the one that's doing the openers. We are live on the floor of the HR Tech Expo, Exposition, Exposition. of all things technology. <laughs> we are guests of the Olio people in their booth, manning their podcast station. Yeah. And with us today, uh, well, I have Ryan. You do have Ryan. I'm I have here. Ryan. I've been here all Ryan, day. Ryan Leary. And I'll be here all day tomorrow. Of Recruiting Daily. <laughs> and Jonathan Prothero. Prothero. Close enough. You're Prothero. Awesome. Yeah, not bad. Not Prothero. Bad. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. I've been in uh, HR space since 1998. Don't hold that against me. Well, 1980, right. 1988? 98. 90. 90. That's two 90. years uh, okay. after I got. So, you, you know, okay. I got two years on you. Okay. Good. So, yeah, don't good. hold that against me. Yeah. Uh, started. Um, Ryan, this is his first week. Oh, well done. <laughs> Welcome to the industry. I wish. Sorry to hear that. <laughs> started uh, recruiting, so back in the day on the phone, smiling yeah. and dialing. Um, started a, a staffing firm in 2004, live and well today, big one in Canada. Uh, I'm from Toronto. Um, stepped away well, from that. against you for sure. Thank you. Thank you. Go Leafs. <laughs> uh, stepped away from that, um, that organization part-time in 2013, full-time in 2017 to found TalentNet. We're a talent acquisition platform, focused originally in the contingent labor space, but now full-time as well, and we can get into the gory details of what that means and sounds like. Might be um, too gory, I think, for this audience. <laughs> right. Uh, so, yeah, we, this is our second year here at HR Tech. Um, it's been good, good couple days. What's it like on the floor? Tell us what you've been experiencing walking around. What do you see? A lot of uh, – it's interesting. The, the big thing I see this year more than anything is um, equity people. Interesting. Uh, growth equity – Hmm. Uh, I guess there's money out there that's not been put to work yet, so I guess we're, so. we're running to a few of those people. But yeah, it's good. Uh, you know, tech is moving in the right direction. A little slower than I kind of thought. I've sat through some of the presentations and not as much discussion about AI and some of the disruption as I had, I thought was going to be here this uh, these last couple of days. But good otherwise. So now I, I haven't gotten to sit in any sessions. I haven't even walked the floor yet. I don't know. Have you walked the floor? I have walked the floor several times. Oh, good. I, I have not. I've been sitting here all day. Talking. What are you seeing that's on the floor? Companies, technology, what's really caught your eye? Well, the ones that are jumping out, uh, you know, that obviously with things like ChatGPT and, and what's happening with AI and AI platforms, how these, uh, especially the older, sort of the big beasts um, within HR, how mm -hmm. they're starting to incorporate them um, slowly, but uh, I think it's going to make big changes in, in the space that we work in. I'm afraid it's going to blend everything. It might. Uh, you know, listen, from a talent acquisition seat, which is where I spend all my time, it's going to make the lives of people looking for resources a lot easier. You know, we're working on something right now in our labs um, with GPT. We work with Google with uh, their large language model, BERT, but also with GPT, and we use 4.0. The stuff that you can do in terms of having a live conversation with a database sounds like a weird thing, but you know, you can go in and say, hey, show me the, the top three uh, Java developers I have in the Las Vegas area. And it, you know, real live conversation have come up and say, here they are. Okay, well, give me the person who's uh, most active in the database that applied the most jobs. Boom. Give me somebody that we've spoken to in the last 30 days. Just that sort of conversational Natural discussion. language. Yeah, it's, it's remarkable to see, you know, it, it, it basically a uh, a software respond to queries like that. And if you're a recruiter, you know, you think about what comes after that. So sure, I can have this sort of real life conversation with an AI model now. What happens when I can automate that? 
and say, hey, if this type of person comes along, apply them to these types of roles, um, that's going to make a recruiter's life completely different. Where do you see, so with the infliction of all the AI, all the tools that we're seeing out here, solutions uh, out here this week, where do you think this is going to come in and impact HR as a whole? Well, again, the seat that I sit in is talent acquisition, so finding talent. Mm -hmm. It's if your platforms aren't the you know these companies we're talking to, if their platforms aren't already looking at AI models to help augment what they're doing, they will be in the near future. So I think that's a a big one that's going to affect it quickly. Uh, you know, we focus in the area of building talent communities, branded talent communities for Fortune 1000s, and if I'm a you know, a brand like a Meta or an Amazon or a Pfizer, and I've got two, three, four, five hundred thousand people coming to my career page every month, having the ability to use AI to keep those people interacting with my brand, that's going to be a huge benefit. So I, I got a question. So, so you mentioned talent communities. That's something, Charlie, that we've been talking about probably for the last two decades. Right. Yeah, yeah. The concept of talent community yeah. has been misappropriated so many different ways. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so I'm curious, and so I know what your definition. I want you to share that with everybody. But, but Jonathan, what when you say you're building talent communities, what exactly are you doing, and where does tech come into? That? Sure. So if you think of um, the space that we live in today, HR, and, and I grew up in contingent, right? So mm -hmm. I, I don't. You know, the, the platforms that are here are not necessarily the same platforms I grew up with. I grew up in that contract role type uh, world where you're dealing with vendor management systems, not ATSs. But to answer your question around um, the, the, the space and specifically where it's, it's starting to, um, to change and impact, you know, we see, we see what your definition of talent community is changing as well. And I'm curious to hear what your definition of a talent community is. For, for us, it's any type of worker. So right now, Roughly 30% in a Fortune 1000 is non-employee workforce. The other 70% are full-time workers. Non-employee workforce. Non-employee workforce. Okay. So they're former employees. They're, no, they're outsourced. Future employees. They're through outsourced an outsourced contract. Oh, oh, oh. SOW. Got it. Okay. Non-direct employees. Got it. Correct. So for us, a talent community takes that 30% and the 70% that work for you full-time put them in one single source of truth so that you can interact with them, see what kind of skill sets they have, advertise jobs to them, advertise internal mobility, advertise new gigs, new opportunities. From our perspective, it shouldn't matter what a worker is looking to do, full-time contract gig, doesn't matter. If they're the right brand, the right type of person and they're coming to my brand, I should have an ability to interact with them and it should all be in one place. The biggest challenge that we're trying to solve for is the fact for decades now, every part of a large organization has been separated because of their technology. Yeah. I'm in an ATS, I have a team that sits on top of my ATS, they're the talent acquisition team. I have an HRI, or HRIS system or HCM system, I have a team that sits on top of that. I have a vendor management system, I have a team that sits on top of that. They all manage talent, none of them speak to each other, none of those teams work together. That's a system that's broken. That's a, that's a business that's built teams on top of technology versus technology solving for what the business needs to be able to do, and we're trying to fix that. That's not a community, though. By, by building a community, you are fixing it. Ah, okay, so building the community, so I gotcha. Right. Okay. So if I plug Building in, a community on it fixes it. That's what, okay, that's the point you're trying to get to. Right, so okay. I, I plug into your ATS, I plug into your HRIS system, I plug into your VMS, 
you become a single source and of you truth. build a community. Yeah, because here's the thing: talent communities are often the, the term talent community is often used for essentially a list, right? And that is not a community. Now, if Agreed. you are um, advertising to a group of people, whether that is non-employee workers and or former employees or whatever, that is essentially called audience segmentation. And that's still marketing. So if you're marketing to a specific audience segment, that's not a community. What makes a community is two things. Number one, durability. It's got to be something that is persistent, right? It, it can't be a temporary, there's no temporary community. And number two, there has to be interactivity amongst the community. So if you're broadcasting to them, that's advertising and marketing. <clears throat> it's them talking to each other that makes it a community and having a common interest that lasts beyond uh, a single status. So for example, what I mean by single status is a job seeker is not a community because they stop being a job seeker when they get a job. Right. So therefore what, they're now banned from your community or because they found a job. So you see what I mean? A right. community has to have an interest that goes beyond a single status. So what's the, and I know this, this is one of those debates that can go on in forever, and I love this, this conversation. How do you engage and communicate with those in your community or that, in, the, in, the, in the groups that you're trying to build? Peripatetically, you have to be a native. So in our industry, one of the most, mm -hmm. I would say, obvious examples of a talent community is SourceCon. You see people that go to the SourceCon website, they go to the conference, they have conversations, they respond to blogs, they write blogs. That is yeah. a type of community. I wouldn't need to build that community, I could simply participate in it. And right. that, as a, as a sourcer, and, and what I teach, is people need to essentially become digital natives or whatever that community is. You can build, what you're doing is you're building a talent community, and you certainly can build a talent community, but you can also exist in another talent community. So Certainly. you could do it, you know, you could build one for yourself, for your organization and your goals. You can also participate in one that already exists. Mm -hmm. That's two different techniques. One of them is, you know, going native, peripatetically, yeah. and one of them is building the community with a purpose and a shared interest of some, hopefully more than one shared interest, but, right. right? So you could do it by, say, building a Facebook group. Like um, secret sourcing group. Yeah, that's like a community. secret source. And we, right. we have we have examples of that even with HRTX. Right. We've got our virtual event. We we've got companies RPOs that constantly work with us. Right. Just that's to a community. get access into the recruiters. That's the vendors, the participants, exactly. the recruiters. Yeah. yeah. That's a community. They have a common interest. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe two different perspectives, but a common interest. A full time workforce. If I'm Pfizer and I have fifty thousand full time workers, that's a community. Right. right. When you can get them to engage. Yes, of course. Not when you broadcast to them. No. That's just a channel. Yeah, and that's and that's where we uh, attempt to play is have those individuals build a profile, <clears throat> show off their skills, show what they're interested in, interact with each other, and get matched to new opportunities. Our belief is in the years to come, a, a 9 to 5, Monday to Friday, I'm a BA or I'm a Java or whatever it is, isn't going to necessarily be the way people engage with talent. Yeah, I think so. They're going to say... Yeah, we need you to do your job for sure, but that might be 30 hours. The other 10 hours, we want you to be a gig worker within the four walls of our space. Go get involved in other projects. Put your hand up. Go and get into other areas of the business that you wouldn't otherwise know, and that does multiple things. Number one, it builds a thriving community, mm -hmm. but number two, it 
allows a worker to touch and feel different areas of an organization that they otherwise would have been boxed out in. And if you if you look at some of these, call them exit reports or you know why people quit their jobs, one of the main ones is I was all I did was my nine to five. I didn't have any other interaction. I didn't feel valued. If you're living in Japan and you can put your hand up and get involved in a project that's on the other side of the world, are you, do you feel valued? Of course you do. So. We believe that that's kind of the direction where organizations are going to go. And if you combine that with the talent attraction side, so who do I have today? Who can I have that's available, that's interested in my brand? Who have I worked with in the past? Who are my alumni? You put all those things into a single source of truth, now you've got something pretty powerful. That's a community, yeah. Right. So walking around here on the conference floor and the, and the expo floor, really, um, doesn't it strike you as a lot of these solutions want to be single plays it's almost like we are the solution you know you know we, we do everything for you and it, it seems like uh, really that's that's not to me no company just has one solution right you were just talking about how you've got your ATS you've got your CRM you've got your HRA yeah so you walk around here there's not going to be a single brand here that does all of it but yet they all are pretending to be the one solution so right. where's the where's the dissonance there yeah it's it's interesting you know I even look at some of the platforms I walk by, direct source contingent labor, very specific, one area of HR and talent acquisition. Yep. And I see in their marketing material, they say they're in the direct source space and I've never seen them in the direct source space. So to your point, they're trying to be everything to everyone and right. I think they're doing themselves. And they also do diversity, talent analytics, yeah, reporting, right, AI. Right. right. And yeah. All of the above. And I think that's where the, the tight integrations, we, we spoke about this earlier with number of people, that's where the tight integrations come in, you know, in the play amongst all of these, these players that are out there. The ATS doesn't need to be the CRM. CRM doesn't no. need to be the sourcing right. module. It's right? okay if you have three softwares as long as they right. talk to each other. And that's the problem though. Most right. of them don't. <clears throat> that's right. what I'm saying right. is walk around here. They all want to be the solution, but they all don't want to play in the same playground. Right. There's some huge companies here that we've worked with and I'm obviously not going to name names, but they don't have APIs. They just don't have them. They've got old XML stuff, but mm -hmm. it's not its not interactive. It's not API first. It's not something that you could actually plug into and have an enterprise solution. And yet, you know, they're taking up a city block with a banner that says they do everything. It's its kind of a disservice, I think, to... That's kind of my point. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Agreed. And they are taking up big city blocks here because <laughs> there are some there massive are. booths yeah. <laughs> that yeah. are out and here. And you know, I, it, it, this, this is just, a, I'm just going to come out and say this is a huge criticism, but there are brands here that have their own user conferences and yet they come here. Right. There are also mm -hmm. brands here that have their own user conferences and are not here. Oh, yeah. Doesn't that speak very highly of something, like for, for example, there's a brand that should be here and isn't. Mm -hmm. and. It's a, it's stack, it, to me, it sticks out like a red thumb. Right. Like a big swollen red thumb. Yeah. Especially because this is an organization that is in three or four different areas right. that are represented here, and yet they're not here. They're, their reasoning for that is because, well, we have our own user conference. Right. But so does, you know, I, I'll yeah, point all to- All of them. I saw yes. Ceridian, they all have. A Several of them have yeah, their own I user conference. Yeah. Greenhouse has mm -hmm. one, right. So, you know, this other one that I'm talking about is not here, and it's almost kind of too obvious. Yeah. Who, who uh, are I, they? Well, they're, they're a company that has an API that doesn't work well with anybody else's. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I'm not going, they're probably a partner, so I'm just going to keep my... You see what I'm saying, home. though? That, I, that just speaks yeah. loudly about yeah. the problem, which is the lack of compatibility between these systems. And if you're looking to hire 
the best partners that you could possibly get, you definitely might select three or four different companies. Right. And it would be in those companies' best interest to work nicely together in a community. In a community, right. A community of technologies. How community nice of that technologies be? that are supporting the same hiring organization. Oh, right. I, I think it'll be interesting over the next few years as the market develops, as AI becomes more relevant and, and more embedded. There's firms that are going to be here that are going to have city block uh, booths set up that mm -hmm. don't even exist yet, that are going to pop up and do mm -hmm. a great job at what some of these old garb have been doing for a long time and do far better and are going to be monsters in no time. So I think there's going to be a lot of disruption over the, the few years to come here. Do you feel like there's a huge application for AI in the you know, the ETL, extract, transform, and load space? I think there is. It, what I'm seeing with that's AI... A, that's a huge lift. Oh, is, yeah. yeah. Well, the, the amazing thing about AI these days is it's doing some pretty huge lifts, right? Um, that's what I'm saying. So ETL might be something that, you know, hey, transfer what we need out of this data bucket into this other, because they don't talk to each other, right? but there could be a layer in between that talks to both, Right. And becomes the the middleware. Oh my God, that's an old word. <laughs> that you know, <laughs> it's it like, needs to come back. Hey, <laughs> I'm going to translate. I'm going to extract from A, translate to B, so that B can use the little the 10 of data it needs from A. Right. Making A and B compatible where they normally wouldn't be. Right. To me, that's a natural extension of what these language models should be able to do because they can understand things like first name, last name, middle name, nickname and All translate them, you know? Yeah. I, I was working on this huge project for a very, very large financial services company that had three, well, they had a lot more, but they had three very disparate systems. And the name of an individual in one system was last first, right. and the other one, it was middle initial last first, or last middle initial, and in the other one, it involved their email address, which was sometimes not the same as last first. So I had to actually match up First, last, middle, nickname, and email right. across three systems just to be able to get one record from all three. In other words, to query Ryan mm -hmm. in three databases, I had to transform Ryan into Ryan this, this Ryan, Ryan that, right. this, and the, you know, manually. Yeah. It's nuts. I think the short answer is it's, it's going to help fix those areas. The problem is so. you still need to have platforms that have accessibility to the database. You still oh, need yeah, that, good point. Um, and that's not necessarily the case, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the missing link. Well, we'll see. It's it's going to be a a, a change or, or die type situation for some of these mm -hmm. platforms in the near future. And there's some big, big platforms. Some of them here, some of them not, that uh, are going to need to make some significant changes in order mm -hmm. to to survive. So now you you were speaking at the event this year. What are you talking on? Uh, a client of ours is coming in and we're talking about the one doorway approach. So, you know, put the talent acquisition hat on, the ability mm -hmm. for uh, workers to come and choose their own adventure. Right now, everyone talks about this war for talent and then you go to a career page and it's like the worst experience <laughs> you've ever had, you know, yeah. scrolling through these terrible pages, enter mm -hmm. your data, uh, versus the approach that, that we try to do is a great experience for workers where they can come in, showcase their skills, and get matched ongoing. So I'm interested in full-time, I'm interested in contract, I'm interested in freelance, I'm interested in all of the above, send me everything. Um, build a profile once, kind of set it and forget it until I find a, a new role or a new gig, but with the brands that I'm interested in, that's the generation today. They want to work for brands that they're 
they believe in, that they're passionate about, and and if you can go and interact with all of their jo jobs, not just their full-time jobs, mm -hmm. that's the that's the fix we're yeah. trying to provide, and that's what we're talking about tomorrow. So okay, so that's it. So sad story on this topic. Well, not really sad, but and that's the end of our sad. Show. <laughs> <laughs> we were applying to jobs, right? We're just testing, you know, a bunch of stuff. Apply with your LinkedIn profile, right? Yep. Which okay, click the button, do your thing. The next step is enter your resume, upload your resume, yeah. or enter your experience. Yep. Yeah, that's because the LinkedIn profile application doesn't transfer. No, your it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't transfer. It also, you know what else doesn't provide? The email address. Yeah. But okay, I can see putting in contact information. Which but if you're be in your asking account. me for my profile, it's yeah. there, right? It's there. Like right. whatever yeah. I want you to have is there. Well, if you think of it from a LinkedIn's perspective, you're asking to transfer data off of their platform. That is their bread and butter, right? right. They don't want to do that. That's why they lock it down. I think you can get first name, last name, and maybe last title, maybe your picture. That's about it. That's all you're getting from from LinkedIn. Yeah. They don't. They don't want to give away their data. Ironically, it's not their data. Well, I know, right? <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. They, so they so you says you. So says you. Well, no, if it's... Uh, but you I have the right to delete your information. Yes. Then the, yeah. yeah. If you don't have the right to delete information, that's a different story. Right. Well, that's a whole different topic. You know, what's going to happen here with, with new privacy rules? We're seeing them pop up in New York, California. Yeah. We've been, right to delete, right of deletion. We've been held to the GDPR high water standard for, well, since we've, our mm -hmm. inception, really. So... We've kind of been living in that world for a while, but in North America, it hasn't really been that uh, that large of a thing, and that's changing in a hurry. So again, you look at some of these platforms that don't necessarily operate in what I would call a GDPR compliant way, they've got some changes coming as well. Yeah. yeah. Jonathan, it's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you. Appreciate great. the, uh, the time, and hopefully you enjoy the rest of your show. You as well, enjoy it. Thank you very much. Thanks, fellas.